Hi, I'm Greg, the creator of Opportunities. And I'm Polly, Princess of Prevention. And welcome to another edition of Totally Preventable. So Polly, I've been thinking about as our Totally Preventable podcast reach is extending. I think our dedicated fans should be called preventers. What do you think about that name? Nice. I love it. Kind of like a believer. Right, right. Or yeah, but yeah, preventers. Preventers. I think it has a nice little ring to it. It does. You know, I didn't want to call them just like partners because we have partners. We do. We need preventers. We need somebody specific for for our listeners to be called preventers. So as of today, right now. All of our listeners, all of our followers, you are now preventers. I gave that dramatic pause so you can build up. So now that you know that you're a preventer, we have a great preventer on today. We do. Um, Pam Martin. Mm-hmm. She's um family liaison, school liaison, sorry, school liaison. For Naval Station Newport, we definitely have to ask her what what that is because it's I don't know. I'm just gonna be I'm gonna tell the truth about myself. I yeah I don't know what a school is. Nope, I know Pam's doing great things. I see her at a lot of meetings. She's always um it's always fun to sit near her. She brings great energy to the meeting. But um I feel like I only know a small part of what she does. I only know Pam from being one of the little squares on a Zoom meeting. So I look forward to. Uh, actually getting more in depth into what she does and who she is and can't wait to get started will she have a diet mountain dew with her today that her drink of choice it is <laughs> we'll have to see we'll have to keep an eye on um hi welcome everyone to totally preventable uh we are here with pam martin the school liaison for naval station newport hi pam welcome hi pam Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It's good to see you. Could you maybe explain your position to us? Um, Certainly. I'm the school liaison, and I help military families who come and go from Naval Station Newport handle the educational transition of their children, typically K to 12. Um, That being said, I get lots of questions about pre-K and childcare because school age kids often have little siblings. And I also handle post high school, um, post secondary questions, a lot about using a GI bill, your VA benefit, your VA uh, educational benefits. And that even bleeds into um, helping spouses with schooling opportunities. And I have the luxury here, since we're not a giant installation, like, um, say the base is down in Newport, in um, uh, Virginia or Florida, I have the luxury of being able to take all comers. So if you're someone who just retired from the military and you want to settle in Rhode Island, I can still work with you. Um, Some of the school liaisons at really big, busy installations where they have a lot of ships and a lot of uh, service members, they can only work with the members on active duty coming and going. Um, Another thing I do is I help schools and the greater community understand the impact of transition on the military family and the military child in particular. And I am also considered the skipper's subject matter expert 
on issues relating to K-12 education in the community as it relates to the members under his care. So I spent a lot of time letting him know if something's going to bite him on the butt later <laughs> or um, if there's anything brewing that might impact the service members at the base or an individual member's readiness to serve or other issues like that. So yeah, never a dull moment here at Naval Station Newport. Wow. So when it comes to, to transitioning school to school uh, with the mm -hmm. military family, is this something that happens that, that can happen like spur of the moment? And if so, how is it that, that they can, you know, be in one community one day and the next, the mm -hmm. next and, mm -hmm. and enter into school? Right. Um, well, we're a very unique base because we don't have any go to war resources, meaning we don't have ships or units that could be called into operational areas at a moment's notice. We are a base that primarily educates members of the force to go to those units and do their job. For example, we commission, um, I, oh gosh, I don't even know how much, um, we commission more naval officers at Naval Station Newport than anywhere else in the Navy. Wow. So we also train new service members to be sailors. We have the Naval War College, which is where all the senior leaders and the senior leaders, this is big, of our NATO allies come to learn yeah. about naval operations, which nowadays is extremely important and relevant. Um, so anyways, that being said, if we had an aircraft carrier sitting at Coddington Cove, um, my job would look very different. I would spend a lot of time helping very young sailors with very young children come get their kids settled in school so they can get back to work on the ship. Um, also, if we had go to war resources here, I'd spend a lot of times helping families inform the school that their service member could be in harm's way. How is that impacting the children? What resources is that child going to need? Changes that might be happening to the family. Um, typically, Families contact me when they get their orders to come to Naval Station Newport. So very seldom will I have to be quick turnaround like, oh, my goodness, you have to be in Jacksonville Tuesday. All right, let's get cracking. It does happen every so often, but mostly because they didn't call me in time, not because the turnaround is that fast. <laughs> Nowadays, most service members know about their movements at a minimum 60 to 90 days. Now, it is possible that the needs of the service will say, dude, you got to be in Newport News on Friday. Oh, okay, bye. In which case, you know, maybe the family would follow on. Um, at other installations where there's a high go-to-war operational mission, I could literally be talking to mom or dad, the service member on a Monday, and find out they're in Djibouti on a Saturday. So, and you, you can imagine the impact um, on a child because military members do have jobs where they're on the batter, they're in the batter's box, they're on deck. You know they're waiting for their for their call to duty of those natures. So, um, ninety nine percent of the time, it's somebody getting orders to come to Naval Station Newport to attend one of our many tenant command schools, and that gives me the luxury of being able to shepherd them through the educational transition with a whole lot less cray cray than could be. So we all know it's difficult to be a kid 
Um, even more difficult right now with COVID and mm-hmm. issues. Um, and then you add being a military child on mm-hmm. top of that. There must be a lot of um, stressors and anxiety mm-hmm. um, that can lead to um, a lot of need for these kids. Do you mm-hmm. help families find resources? Absolutely. Um, the generic term we use for the go to war mission or the military separation is deployment. And deployment is a cycle. There's the, I know th- that my, my loved one is getting deployed. That's pre-deployment. That's when they're doing extra training where they've gotten some notice that they will be departing. Um, their duties at their unit might increase markedly because they've got to be there to learn new weapon systems, do paperwork, maybe even take a class before their their movement. Then there's the actual deployment when the service member departs. That's the classic scene at the airport and the yellow ribbons tied on trees or the ship sailing away and all this. That's the first cut. And then they have to settle into the new normal. Once your service member has deployed, possibly in harm's way, but even if you're just out on, on sea trials or you're just out for training, gone is gone to a little kid. There's no difference, really, um, at a certain point to them. Then you've got to get in the new normal, putting left in front of right and just trucking and getting used to the fact that your family dynamic has changed. Maybe you left one set of quarters and moved back home to be with uh, family for additional support. You can imagine um, when my husband used to deploy, I had three kids under four. So... There were days when I just wanted to pack up the house and head back to Rhode Island because I'm a Rhode Island native. So there I am at Port Stewart or Port Benning or wherever. I'm just, you know, there would always be a bug out of military spouses because you're going to be left alone for an indeterminate months, months. It could be months. Um, so I try to make sure the schools know this. And sometimes I don't even know that a service member is deployed or geographically distant or whatever until the mom says you know little Rodney's just cutting up in school and you know potty training's gone out the window and he's having nightmares and and then I'm like what's going on oh my goodness well you know dad's been on an unaccompanied tour you know for six months and the light bulbs all go off and we say he's reacting to the stressors of separation it's a transition that was thrust upon the child that's more than, than they can cope with. And we do have a lot of resources here at the base. We have a lot of resources. We have the Fleet and Family Service Center, which is our, um, our community social work agency. Oops, sorry. Hey, can I call you back? Okay, thanks, bye. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know who that was. I should have Busy asked. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's tons of resources, but sometimes they only need an ear. They just need somebody to be aware of what they're going through and they need an ear. So I spend a lot of time educating the educators and other stakeholders in the community. Just be aware. Teachers already know to screen when a kid starts heading south. They have all these lenses they put on. Um, is he ADHD? Is she, uh, are parents getting divorced? Is there illness at home? God forbid, incarceration. But I need to get them to add that lens of, are they military? 
because when you check off the list of all the lenses you would screen through as an educator, military's got to be one. Not just are there special ed concerns, is there family turmoil, is, has their housing situation changed, have they suffered a loss? Deployment is just loss after loss for a kid. So yeah, tons of resources and lots of, um, lots of referral. I do a lot of referral. And there's an unending need for counseling services in the community, as you guys know. Yeah. So, so with that being said, the tons of resources, you, you've mentioned um, how, like when you, when your husband was being deployed, mm-hmm. how there was a bug out of, of spouses. Mm-hmm. What type of services are there for the spouses? What, what is it that, you, that you're seeing that they need the most of? Well, what the military does well now that it frequently did not in the past is they work to build resilience before crisis. So, you know, if you define resilience as being able to bend and not break, now military families have resources and programs available to them and kids do where we talk about these things ahead of time. Half the time, it's just about recognizing what's happening to you instead of saying all these horrible things are, you know, my kids are just, you know, losing it. If you go into it saying deployment is a transition, deployment can feel like a loss. Military life is stressful. I'm going to be aware of that and be on the lookout other than it just hitting you between the eyes because you don't have that growth mindset that you're aware of these things that could be impacting you. Um, We have a program called Anchored for Life, which is a Navy-funded program in the schools that have a lot of military kids. And it's a program that works on building resilience for all the kids in the the school. So it also captures those military kids. Because at a certain age, military kids don't want to be called out. They want to kind of fly under the radar and be like all their other friends. But Anchored for Life is, for example, a resiliency-building program that helps kids have skills ahead of time. Um, the activities among military families and programs like the Fleet and Family Center offer lots of classes, lots of workshops, lots of trainings. There's a ton of training for military family members, but the hardest part is getting them to put the key in the ignition. That's Mm -hmm. the hardest part is making them, well, you know, in your work, getting them to come to something, getting them to engage. Once you engage them, they're on, they're in it. They see the value. But it's just like working out. The hardest part is putting the key in the ignition to go to the gym. Right. Do you follow families to other locations? I'm sort Absolutely. of because uh, I was sort of thinking about how if you had when you had your young kids and wanted to move back to Rhode Island, mm-hmm. you you would have been in a highly Navy concentrated place. But what if yeah. your family was in the middle of the country without any naval support? Mm-hmm. Um, well. Uh, that's, that's the thing. And when I meet young families, um, and it would be, this would be more back when my husband was on an operational installation and we were army. So he was out getting dirty all the time. I always would say bloom where you're planted, because if you're at that base and your little cul-de-sac of housing or your neighborhood is all folks from your unit or from your military specialty, you know, all army or all Navy or whatever, they all understand before you walk in the door. If you all of a sudden bug out 
pack up the double wide and head home, you have removed yourself from the central focus of where resources are being poured as a result of that unit's deployment. At my husband's old base, it was um, Fort Stewart. You could drive down a particular street on the neighborhood, uh, on the base, and see by whose vehicles were gone, what unit was out, what unit had taken their tracks and their tanks and their Jeeps and all that stuff and hauled freight. You could go to a restaurant in town and say, uh, you know, um, I'm a little short for the tip. And they'd say, girl, you know, I know the 118th is out. That's okay. And they'd know. You could post-date a check at the local pizza joint because they knew you were military. But if you all of a sudden bug out and leave, where are the resources that the military wants to provide to support you going to go? Woonsocket, Rhode Island? I don't think so. They're going to go right back to Fort Stewart where the families are presumed to be because that's where the, the Army puts you. So I encourage people to stay. I like them to stay. Now, granted, it's always great to go back to see grandma where all your aunts and uncles, sisters, brothers, et cetera, are all there. And you can kind of put down your load for a little while and sleep in your old bed and all this good stuff. But you're isolating yourself in a different way. Um, some people will even, you know, move back home and register the kids in school there. That's great. But if you come from a civilian community, where where's the awareness? Narragansett Elementary didn't have a lot of active duty military people. So even if I'd gone back home, what I need isn't there anymore. So, I mean, childhood's just a place you can visit, not live. But um, I always urge folks to bloom where you're planted because the focus is here. And your unit life, people who are living your life are at the unit that you're in, whether it's a ship, a squadron, a company, a division, whatever it is. It's bloom where you're planted. You know, by the time I stopped talking, I forget what the question was. Yeah. <laughs> now, with the persona of a soldier, it, it's usually macho, very powerful, very, very strong. Mm -hmm. Do you find that it's it's hard or maybe difficult for not only the soldier, but the, the children of soldiers to talk about their emotions? It is better now. It is better now. There's a myth out there that seeking help for any issue can impact the service member's career and their career progression toward the next rank or the next command or the next position. But if you think about it logically, the military wants to retain you. They want you to be at your best. They want to take all the money. They, I mean, by the time someone is even a mid-level um, service member, they have poured millions of dollars in resources, in training that member, in moving the families, in issuing the equipment, sending them to school, pay, benefits, medical, dental, you name it. Why would the military want someone to get out of the military because stress got too great or God forbid, take a more permanent solution to things when they're an asset that is meant to be retained you know, you want your bench to be deep, 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 deep. So the, I sometimes think that the military culture is almost inoculating uh, against high-risk behavior from the kids because they've grown up in a very goals-driven and disciplined and orderly 
and uh, routine and regimented driven existence. And sometimes that automatic, you know, you get up, you get a shower, you get dressed, you go to work, you go to school, you come home. That is a good thing. That is um, a place to cling to in um, when the sands start to shift. But there's also that, like you said, that macho culture where I'm not going to show weakness, I'm not going to show need. But let's keep in mind, the kids aren't military. They're not the service member. They did not sign up for this. They're entitled to still just be children. And spouses should be allowed to be civilians a little bit too. So I spent a lot of my time directing people to resources and then directing them that this resource is confidential. They cannot go back to your command and say that, you know, so-and-so and Mrs. So-and-so are having, say, marital problems or financial problems or um, so-and-so's child um, is having issues and, and needs some help. Professional ethics dictate that all these providers that can help a family, they can't, they can't talk about it. They can't talk about it. Um, um, you know, if, if you're a security risk, the military is going to figure it out other ways than your kid going on ADHD medication, you know. So the culture of the military family can be used to your advantage or it can really squeeze you. And I try to be a bridge between those two things. And I try to help the educators be a bridge between those two things. And I, I hope that the community agencies in which I come into contact, I can educate them a little bit and say, okay, here's the deal. First, you need to take TRICARE. If you don't take TRICARE, you're not gonna be able to help the military families because that's their health insurance. Next, you need to understand why they need a night appointment because that service member has to be on duty all day. He's not missing or she's not missing roll call or muster or her place or his place of duty for an appointment. That's just, that's just the way it is. By getting those providers a little more con conversant in the culture, they can serve them better and I can get the family members to feel better about going to them. So I do a lot of that, a lot of that. Is the culture the same around um, substance use disorder? As it is, uh, well, of course, the service member is under extremely strict um, uh, drug testing. Okay, now alcohol, you don't get tested for that, so that can be a problem for the service member, just like every everything else. But um, as as in terms of like opiates and marijuana and all the testable things, it's it's tough. It, does, it happens, but it doesn't happen for long because of the testing regimens. And depending on your position, you're um, tested more frequently. There are duty positions in the military for which you are tested like you're an Olympic athlete because they're really high stakes. Um, and again, those are those serious snoop and poop operational things. You know, you kind of want the guy working on the nuclear warhead to have a clear yeah. clear mind. Uh, the, um, I have found that military kids, like I talked about inoculation before, it goes two ways. The strong ethos of the military family can be an inoculating factor or the fact that that kid just wants to fit in at their new location can be a huge 
risk factor. And I've had parents call me and say, um, what kind of, uh, what kind of purses are they, are the girls carrying at Portsmouth high school? Because they want to find out ahead of time so they can say, well, everybody's carrying coach. So you can, why don't you borrow my coach for the first day of school? Or what's the backpack? So they, those Jansen ones with the leather bottoms is LL Bean or our messenger bags back. Remember when everybody wore those little, um, <laughs> those fuzzy Ugg boots and the black leggings and the little short North face. That was a uniform as rigid as any service member for the girls at one point. Yeah. Imagine finding out ahead of time that your look is all wrong. You look completely out of variance of all your high school peers, but there's that group over there in the corner of the cafeteria who seems receptive. Come sit with us. Come sit with us. What if they're not the best role models? Your vulnerability as that new military kid has just led you like a lamb to the slaughter into the wrong group. So I sometimes I I waffle. Military kids are really strong and you know they know what's what and they've seen the world and they're not going to get involved with uh bad choices. But there's that edge of vulnerability of always being the new kid and always trying to what is my new identity at this installation? Am I an artsy kid? Am I a sports kid? Am I gonna be a drama geek? You know, am I gonna get on the cheerleading squad? Am I be a stoner? Am I gonna be a skater? What, what do I have to be to be part of the team here at this particular learning community? And sometimes that is a double-edged sword. But um, I think military families are smart and they've got, and they're worldly in that they know that from a readiness perspective, if you have a youth who is using, that derails the family. And if the family is derailed, that service members eye is not on the ball so I think they are quick to be on guard and I think they're quick to react problem is is getting resources resources for treatment and we talk about this all the time at the coalition civilian or military is there a bed is there a clinic is there a therapist what do I do luckily we have resources on the installation to guide people in that and of course the work of the coalition and the student assistant counselors in the schools and guidance and nurses. I mean, that all goes for a military student just as much as it does for a, a civilian student. So, yeah. Yeah, they're aware of it, and they guard against it. Wow. Now, just by that example that you just previously gave uh, about, mm -hmm. the, you know, the high school girl uniform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems like you're not only a school liaison, but you're you're also a parent liaison for. Oh God! Yes, <laughs> I was going to say Absolutely. she's a teenage fashion expert. <laughs> so, well, I only know from from Facebook mm -hmm. and um, from when I'm at the schools and in the community, and you know, I love how the girls are like, "I am an individual," but. Her hair looks like all her friends. Her clothes are exactly identical to her friends. Same bag, uh, same lingo. It's like, what do they put you guys out of a cookie cutter? You guys all look the same. I'm an individual. <laughs> I'm my own best fan. Um, the need to belong is so powerful. And it can be capitalized for good, like the military does. That cohesion, that unit, that identification. But with the kids, it can be used for ill. 
meaning I'm going to do whatever I can do to get somebody to let me sit at their lunch table or invite me to the party or ask me for a date. Um, in terms of my role, a lot of these, these families are so young, so young, that I sometimes feel more like the grandmother liaison, like, <laughs> like when they get a new diagnosis of a special education need or um, you know some other stressor that comes up. They come into my office because of military school liaison stuff. And I find myself, I'm just like, okay, here you go, honey. And I'm giving, you know, I'll give them a piece of candy and we'll talk. And sometimes we don't even talk about what's best practice in the classroom or what do you do with your IEP or any of this other stuff. It's just, girl, you got it. You can do this. I believe in you. Let's talk about all your choices. I'll make some calls. I'll give you some resources. And why don't you come back and see me? And we'll talk about where you're at with the IEP special education process or trying to find a counselor for your child um you know trying to find academic resources okay let's let's work it out and i'm not telling them rocket scientists but sometimes given that their family support system is back home and sometimes overseas you know they need somebody and you know i don't get paid by the hour it's fine i'll be here so yeah so it's a lot of parenting liaison empowering them one of the key roles is to empower parents to be the best advocate for their child and I think they all have the best intentions, but they need the information that they can run with. So that's what I do. When um, all, all of you school liaisons get together, um, I don't know if you have a, a group of school liaisons and you all chat, but- um, Oh yeah. Like yes, the okay. <laughs> um, Is there something that other places have as a resource and you're like, oh, I wish we had that here in Newport. That'd be so helpful. Um, absolutely. But typically that has to do with the fact that huge bases can support huge programming. You know, there's 70,000 military family members around Virginia Beach. Um, last time I checked, Naval Station Newport has a whopping 1,100 and change active duty members. And we push out 17,000 military students, meaning the service member who's here for a, a military training. You know, we can't compete with those big bases. So there are some things that the other um, installations do that I wish we could support, um, but we just don't have the demographics. If you could only get one in 10 people to come to an event, it helps if you got 100,000 people to get mm. your one in 10 from, rather than 1,100 to get your one in 10 from. So, um, yeah, we have about a thousand military member, uh, wait, wait a minute, 1,117 at last count, uh, actual uniform members at the base. We've got another thousand who use the Naval Station as their um, uh, readiness center for Guard and Reserve. And we have 4,200 civilian government employees like myself. We have lots and lots of contractors and we have 17,000 students that we educate from the service members. Now statewide, I pulled that record, we have about 4,800 military youth of all kinds statewide. That's statewide. 
statewide. 60% of them live on the installation. I mean, live, live on the islands, our little Navy side of the world. The rest are all civilian uh, communities. So we're not as big as others, but I like to think we're mighty, small but mighty. And all roads lead back to the Naval Station Newport for Navy personnel because so much about their professional education is here. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to do like big events, big public events, big fancy partnerships with the schools. Um, but it's tough when a district only has 2,400 students um, to really bring out the big guns. It's hard to qualify for grant money, um, as you know, without the bigger footprint for some of the really serious money. But, you know, I just do it one but one at a time. You can only eat an, uh, an elephant one bite at a time. So that's what we do. Now, just uh, going off of what you were just talking about, does the Navy partner with outside organizations? Is that something that the Navy does or is that something that outside organizations can look into partnering? Like, um, like big agencies. Uh, okay, for example, Navy Child and Youth has formal partnerships with Boys and Girls Club, 4-H, um, Anchored for Life, and there's partnerships of a more service-based nature where, for example, Navy has um, a partnership with Tutor.com. Tutor.com has a military program where they offer resources. Um, it's free for all military kids. So there are partnerships. And there's also a series of grants where Department of the Navy, um, whoops, hello. Sorry, <laughs> I need to plug in. Um, there's also programs and grants that Department of the Navy, Department of Defense, and the Department of, sorry, I got to plug in. I forgot to do that. Um, have a grants that empower the community to better serve the military. So for example, um, Newport Public Schools recently won a Department of the Navy STEM education grant that leverages the power of the installation to benefit the local military affiliated public school district to better serve all members of the community, including the military kids who go to that school, but also the defense industry in the area. We're the biggest employer around. Um, and if we can create a public school population better versed in STEM, for example, those people can grow up and maybe work at Raytheon, maybe work out, work at the um, Naval Industry Warfare Center. So there is definite partnership to be had and on a volunteer basis. Service members are inveterate volunteers and the kids go bananas when they have a reader, someone to come in and read in a full, full uniform. Our base commander, Captain McIver, um, comes and speaks quite a bit at the local schools. And the kids are always just like, wow. It's really cool. Awesome. Is there something that um, civilians or um, local organizations like the Prevention Coalition could do mm -hmm. to better support our military kids? Um, well, first, being aware that they're in your midst is 50% of it. And speaking of double-edged swords, it is really hard as a civilian, because now I'm a civilian, 
I'm not a military spouse. I'm not a service member anymore. I sometimes find myself saying, man, I really like that family. I could have a barbecue with them. I could become friends with them. And I pull back because I know they're leaving in June and I'm going to get my heart broken again. And that's ridiculous because I used to be the recipient of that. And I see it in our local communities. Your, your daughter comes home and she's like, ma, I met the coolest girl at practice. You know, we're going to run the 400 together. La, 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 la. But she's leaving in June. And lo and behold, she, she wants to become great friends with this person, but she's guarding her heart a little bit. So I always urge people and I say, I know you're taking a risk. You're taking a risk by becoming best friends with that military family next door or at your workplace or the one you met at PT, PTO or PTA, but it will be repaid a hundredfold because military families, once you're their person, you are their person forever. And they write their address book in pencil and they're super good at keeping track. And you will always have a place to stay at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, Rhoda, Spain. Wherever you end up, wherever they end up, you will be welcome there. So that is the first thing, is I would impress upon kids at school, families in the neighborhoods, agencies, to be aware that military family are out there in our area. Because for every one of the 1,117 active duty officers and enlisted I have on my sheet about Naval Station Newport, there's probably a spouse and 2.5 kids. So you can imagine how many people that infuses into our military community. Not to mention that we also get State Department, we get um, USAID, we get I mean, people with just alphabet of agencies who are also moved here on a temporary basis, like all our NCIS agents, they move just like the soldiers and sailors. So life is getting ever more transient for everybody now. So it's a lesson that can be translated across everyone's lives. But let, let them in and be open to them and be friendly. And then the next step, for agencies would be to make your services accessible for people in the health field, make them billable by taking TRICARE because that is usually the only health insurance service members um, have unless their spouse has better insurance. And even then uh, TRICARE insists on being second billed on that. Um, what else? Um, understand that the military life goes at a faster pace than a lot of a cop or a fireman that that intensity that pace and the the intensity with which they give themselves to their job and what their job demands of them that's the only civilian uh parallel i can think of is uh when you you are married to a first responder it's the same same stressor and the same camaraderie so that is the biggest thing I would ask. And then from an educational standpoint, I always refer back to the Military Interstate Compact, which is um, a set of rules governing all 50 states, all U.S. territories, and Department of Defense schools that make military kids not have to jump through a lot of hoops to get registered and settled in their new schools. And that could be a whole other podcast. Wow. <laughs> but it doesn't have anything to do with prevention. Okay. Um, so that was on a civilian 
a civilian spectrum. Now, mm-hmm. what would be the the best piece of advice that you would give to a military family on integrating into mm-hmm. a new society, a new community? Well, first off, do your research. Do your research. With, with the internet, there's no reason why you can't do a little recon long before your stuff gets packed up to move here. Um, you can contact me and I will direct you. I get questions about how do you play lacrosse in Rhode Island? Where do I find a cello teacher? I need an allergist. I mean, a lot of that, I refer to the core military community Facebook pages because those, those spouses have more info. They know where all the bodies are buried. So I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to answer this question. I don't know where you find uh, Mandarin speaking, left-handed, soy-free piano teacher. I, I don't know, but I guarantee you the girls, uh, the, the spouses on the Facebook page will know. Um, all the installations have websites and they all have pages for incoming personnel. They've done a really better job at standardization. The websites across the service are starting to look the same and have the same information. The same agencies typically are on bases of the same branch. So Navy all have fleet and family. Army all has um, Army community services. Um, A lot of things are what we call purple, meaning we don't care what service you are, it's the same. Uh, i.e. military one source, which is the employee assistance program of the Department of Defense. So whether you're a Marine or a Coastie or whatever, you can log on to military one source and get referral for non-medical counseling, mental health counseling, um, substance abuse issues, educational issues, issues of transition, issues of the actual act of moving, packing up, real estate, legal, taxation, you name it. It's the, when you don't know who else to call, if they don't call me, which I get some crazy stuff, I ref- if I don't know the answer, I can refer them to Military One Source. And that covers, they don't care what rank you are. It's 100% confidential. The phone lines are open literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They get calls about how to, how to cook the Thanksgiving turkey. And they will answer it. They will answer it. They will pull up their file and say, uh, $325 for 20 minutes per pound. And boom, you're good. Um, You can access information about your benefits through Military One Source. You can access information about the medical system, about IEPs, about the military system for tracking kids with special education needs as they move. There's no reason to go into a move blind. And Facebook is a godsend because if you can get on the spouse's page, and I, I give every incoming family links to those Facebook pages, standard. I don't care whether the woman's the service member, the husband's the service member, they both are. I give them those links to those Facebook pages because there is no question on those pages. And a lot of the times it's about, um, we're looking for a church with um, a nursery, a cry room. Boom. The family's got it. I'm looking for travel soccer. They got it. Because I can't master every single extracurricular. They change so fast. Right. Um, and with COVID, everything went to pot. Um, there, there's no excuse to go into an installation blind. There isn't. If people are saying there's no programming, it's because they're not looking. 
and they want door-to-door service. And that's just not the world, the way the world works, much less in the military. Um, I'm a liaison, not a concierge. Mm. So I always, I could connect you, but I cannot do the work for you. Is there anything else you can think of to ask Pam? I feel like I've known Pam for a long time and um, I kind of knew what you did, but this has been Um, eye-opening. If you mixed up a social worker, a minister, a teacher, and a prison guard, it's like, that's my job. <laughs> and you I know, feel like it's, a comedian. <laughs> you know what, though? If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah. Honest yeah. to God, some of the things that these families are operating under, whether it's mental health, whether it's substance abuse, and then you add the rigor of the military life, I don't know how they get out of bed sometimes. And they don't complain. Well, no, I should say all service members, all military members, all people in uniform complain. It's like a little rider on their contract. You complain about the person above you. You complain about the people below you. But you would fall on your sword for all of them. It's uh, it's endemic, is the, the grousing and the lollygagging. And, it's uh, like a quote, family. The, yeah. When the rubber meets the road, there is no better group to be with. I will tell you a funny story. This, this one I love. I tell this all the time. I went to a unit Christmas party. And it was for the 6th Motor Transport Battalion, which is a Marine Corps reservist unit in Providence. They have an armory in Providence. And Hasbro Toys, which you know is located in Rhode Island, gave them a humongous donation of toys to distribute to the kids for Christmas. And we're all putting around and we're doing our thing and we've got to open these boxes. We got Jenga, we got Yahtzee. You name it. We got, oh, travel, scrabble, like nobody's business. We got all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this tape is really tough. Does anybody have a pair of scissors? And like six people pulled a knife this long. <laughs> in and I'm like, people, put away the weapons. It's Christmas. It's crazy. But that's the culture. That's how powerful the culture Three of them were women. <laughs> They're like, oh, I have a knife. And they just pulled it right. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I had forgotten. I had, I, I had lost my head. I was with Marines. Never ask for a blade or a weapon <laughs> or something sharp when there are Marines around. So yeah, that is so illustrative that if you understand that and, and the, the reason why all these people for a Christmas party would be uber prepared by having a K-bar in their, their night, in their belt or their uh, boot i should say if you know that that's all you know that's all you need to know that's all you need to know about the military community so i can't believe they pay me it's amazing <laughs> we'll edit that part out <laughs> <laughs> they should pay me more they should more pay money. more i need more money but you know january and february are very slow for me because it's not a lot of military transition happening then so that's when i do all my online training and stuff and people will walk by my office and think I'm just here filing my nails because military movement goes like an accordion. You know, like the guy or gal ahead of you has to leave their position before the military can move you into that position for you to take over. And so it all it's all connected. So there was a period with COVID where movement was very slow. They weren't really moving people. 
they kind of just said, whoa, whoa, stop. Everybody stop, freeze in place. And um, that's when I do lots of, you know, the online training that the Navy requires and throwing away old files, getting ready for inspections. Like I get inspected uh, annually to make sure I'm doing my job. But other than that, I'm, it's a hoot nanny good time. It's the best job ever. And I've had some dudes. So anyways, and for the record, my daughter's a social worker. So I hear, I hear a lot about the challenges other families face and you know, it just, it just makes me think that you don't know the story of every person you meet. Right. You don't know where they're coming from, their background, the cultural things, the medical things, the family things, all the things that people can have. And then you add to it separation from loved ones. Um, possible being in harm's way, um, marital separation, separation of parent and child. You know, I, I'm proud to know them. Some of them drive me crazy. <laughs> but other than that, they're awesome. Do you have any more questions for Pam? I don't. I, this has been a wonderful time, Pam. I feel like I know you a lot more now other than just seeing you in our college. Not just a voice on the Zoom? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So now I know I'll be reaching out to you a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you meet a service member, send them my way. I, I'll mm -hmm. connect them. Yeah, but the coalition is a huge resource. And I always mention the coalitions when I'm talking to high school families who are transitioning in. And I say, guys, there is someone on the job at all these districts doing their damnedest to make sure your kids are safe and their social emotional needs are being met and that they're creating a climate where your children can make their best choices and come out of high school alive. There is always someone there. Now, whether the child decides to partake of those services or listen to what those services are telling them, I, I can't predict, but they're there. So I always tell the families, you know, like Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers and the coalitions are the helpers. If someone's listening to our podcast, who's um, a military family, and they mm -hmm. have not heard of you, I, I know, how could that be? But if, you know, they snuck under the wire, um, <laughs> I got that part. <laughs> how, how should they find you? Um, you can call me anytime. Um, my number is 401 841 seven one two six i have a military cell phone number as well four zero one three seven eight i gotta look eight four three one or you can email me at pamela.martin at navy.mil with one l uh, my office is at the child development center which technically falls over the line in middletown it's right outside the back gate of the installation you can text me. You can shout out on my, my Facebook, um, uh, which is uh, Pamela P. Martin, I think. Whatever. Just just Google me. You'll find me. Um, yeah. I don't care. My husband's used to me getting calls from all time zones. And um, I'm also frequently at events in the community. So um, if there's a base event, if there's a social service agency having an outreach, um, sometimes when they in-process to the War College, we have an event 
you know, where we all have a table and my table never has anything on it. I just stand there and talk and people tell me, tell me what's going on. And I'm like, so okay. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I've been at an event with you where you had some fabulous pizza cutters. Oh, my purple pizza cutters. Cause what happens when you move, you don't have any dishes. So you order pizza. That was inspired. <laughs> that was inspired. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Pam. This has been great. Um, it's so nice to know that you're taking care of our families and they have some mm -hmm. great resources out there. Yeah, it's me and literally dozens and dozens and dozens of other highly qualified, highly educated specialists who are just waiting for the family um, the family to put the key in the ignition and come to event, pick up the phone and give us a ring, log on, reach out. Uh, unfortunately, my, I'm not a compulsory station for people to come through. Like they're under no compulsory um, means to make them all see me because not everybody has kids either. So that'd be like 1200 people coming through my door who might not even have children. But um, if, if you have any military kids, you've got to contact the slow. And I'll connect you to your school liaison at your next station, too. So it's out there. All right. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We should do this every month. This we should. <laughs> Remember you said it. <laughs> so I did not know about 90% of what Pam was talking about that she does, that she actually does. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Um, yeah, I just knew a small fraction. Um, I'm happy to know that she's out there as a resource for families. Mm. Yeah, yes. And the fact that she's saying how she's, you know, a school liaison, a parent liaison, an advocate, um, you know. Fashion just, expert. Fashion expert, exactly. Um, Making, making sure that the community, or that the military community knows about, you know, things as small as, you know, who has, where's lacrosse being played at? That is, I think that's huge. It is. Huge. Could also find out how to cook your turkey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The wealth of knowledge. So it definitely, I know that in a lot of our programming, we do come across military families. I did not know you know, the, the things that they feel. I, I never think I took that into consideration, like the, the struggles that they have being integrated into a new community. I never even thought about that. So I'm glad, you know, she's out there to help. Yes. Uh, so I hadn't thought of it until um, my girls, particularly, were at Portsmouth High School and they had some military friends mm -hmm. and how one in particular had gotten very close with another military girl and how difficult it was um, when she left. Right. So, um, and that's got to, while it was hard for my own child to be a military child and have that happen over and over, over again, over again. Yeah. that, that seems, that seems heartbreaking. You're right. So. Well, it's good to know that people like Pam are out there and, and getting that job done. It sounds like they have a great uh, Facebook community as well. Absolutely. With all the inside scoop for everybody. Right. That's got to be very helpful for a new family coming in. At least, at least to put you at ease about a few things. I'm sure you're still going to have your own questions, but 
That's great. It seems like your family, every family is unique and needs has some very unique needs that you might think that no one else would know how to help you. Yeah. seems like someone on that Facebook page would have some help for you. All right. All right. That's great to know that I know the Navy is willing to work with outside organizations as well. So the coalition can definitely, you know, put some thinking caps on with, uh, with Pam and uh, see if we can help out. Absolutely. That's why partnerships are important. I agree. And this has been another inspiring podcast room. Totally preventable. With Greg and Pop.